Good morning. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hear these words from Scripture this morning. Since we believe that Jesus, our Savior, has ascended into heaven and opened the way into God's presence for us, let us draw near with sincere hearts in full assurance of faith. Let us hold fast to the hope we profess. Let us consider one another on to love and good deeds. Welcome this morning to worship here at Rochester Reformed Church. That you are watching on Facebook this morning. A few uh, first of all, I'm not going to go through everything, but I will email them out again this afternoon for your weekly announcements. Please check that and make sure you see everything that is going on. A few things I will say this morning are uh, we do have a few of these that came in. Last shipment of Paul's, the read kind, and I'm going to, there's some here at Rochester. I'm going to leave some down at High Falls. You can pick those up if you still like one. Also, just to let you know that to help us with giving. We appreciate it. Please make your checks payable. You can send them into each church and we'll take care of it. Otherwise, we've also set up online giving through tithe.ly. Uh, there's a giving button on the high that you can go to, upper left-hand corner. And then on the Facebook page for Rochester, there is a, a button right at the top as well. Uh, we'll continue to tell you more about that in the announcements if you'd like to try online giving. And then the other thing is that the it turns out that I have plenty of clothes, plenty of clothes as people have done their spring cleaning, and I actually have enough hangers except for one kind. I need adult hangers, pants hangers. So if you have adults pants hangers, please put them in a box, seal them up, and leave them down on the church stoop, and I will take care of it. But again, right now we have everything we need except pants hangers. But with that, let us begin with prayer this morning. We are going to pause in our study of the Apostles' Creed to celebrate Holy Week, Palm Sunday, and Easter. But so we don't forget our prayer of confession this morning will be the Apostles' Creed. So let us pray. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all nations, and will bring you back to the places from which I carried you into exile. With that promise of God, that we, are, we have a future, that we are God's forever, hear also then these words, 
Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, and with all your might. These words which I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them to your children. You shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign upon your hand. They shall be a reminder between your eyes and you shall write them upon the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. In these difficult times, don't forget those promises and that word from God, that no matter where you are, in home, or walking along the road, on the doorposts of your homes, let the world know, let yourself know, that God's promises are still true for you. This morning, I hear these words from Palm Sunday, in the Gospel of Mark. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, where, why are you doing this, say the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. So they went and found a colt outside in the street and tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing, untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it and he sat on it, many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything. And since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So far, the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Again, let's pray. Guide us, almighty God, by your word and by your spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. If you remember from the book of Genesis, the character of Abraham is promised by God that he will have a son. He and his wife Sarah are made that promise. The promise goes like this. Abraham was by his tent one day, and at a distance he thought, saw three strangers, three men approaching. And he ran out to them and he said, My lords, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought. Wash your feet. Rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf, and he prepared and set it before them. 
and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. As I've been saying, there's so much tradition that comes from the Old Testament about taking care of widows and orphans, but also strangers. And it starts right here with Abraham taking care of these three men. Many have wondered if they were angels, based on what comes next in the story, but it begins with that act of hospitality to those Abraham otherwise would never know. And so as they ate, they gathered, and the men promised again to Abraham, you will have a son. And it's Sarah, his wife at that moment, who, if you remember, laughed. The Bible says that she laughed to herself. The Lord, hearing Sarah's laughter, spoke into that moment and said, Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the same time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. Now Sarah, having heard this and knowing that she had laughed, got a little afraid and said, I did not laugh. Oh yes, you did, said the Lord. It took 90 years before Sarah and Abraham finally had their son. They had tried other ways. They had had Abraham marry another woman and had a son by him, by her, but he was not the chosen one, not the one God had spoken of. This morning on Palm Sunday, there's something I want you to hear in that story. It's this. Our plans are not always answered the way we expect. On Palm Sunday, there's all kinds of expectation for the people as they gather around Jesus and he makes his way into Jerusalem. For example, years after Abraham had his son, Isaac, which means laughter, Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob, in due course, has his name changed to Israel. That's how we get the children of Israel. Upon his deathbed, when Jacob, or Israel, is passing away, he blesses all 12 of his sons. One of them is named Judah. And that tribe of Judah will one day become the Jewish people. But in that legacy, from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, into Judah, Jacob, or Israel, speaks to Judah and says, and this is his blessing to Judah as he is about to die, bind his foal to the vine, his donkey's colt to the chose vine, chosen vine, he washes his garments in wine. His robe is the blood of grapes. Whatever Jacob meant by that to Judah, for the tribe of Judah, and eventually for the tribe of Judah's descendant, Jesus, you can hear those words beginning to come true on Palm Sunday. The donkey's colt. How his garments in a week will be covered in wine. His robes made of grapes. All of it comes back to life. They came with all these expectations that even those promises made to Judah all those centuries before would come true. So you hear that Jesus said, bring this donkey to me. Another example is in the book of Kings. First Kings, the prophet Elijah has been told by God that there's to be a new king named Jehu. And so Elisha goes to Jehu and anoints him in private with oil, saying that you will be the new anointed, you will be king. And when Jehu leaves Elisha behind, his followers, his, those who attended him, said, Is everything all right? Why did this madman come to you? And he answered them, You know the sort and how they babble. 
But the man persisted and said, no, come, tell us. What did he say? And he said, this is just what he said to me. Thus says the Lord, I anoint you king of Israel. But then also here, this is what Elijah said to Jehu. They herd them all to their cloaks and spread them out for him on bare steps. And they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. Jacob said, the tribe of Judah would someday enter Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. That there would be one coming later, a king, and it became the tradition for kings to enter with those cloaks spread out before him on the steps and on the road, blowing trumpets and declaring him king. And then one more, this one's from the Psalms. This was how the ancient people, the Israelites, would have brought a king in, how they would have celebrated a royal procession. These words from Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and is marvelous in his eyes. The Lord has done this every day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Hosanna means, Lord, save us. It continues on. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God. He has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festival procession up to the horns of the altar. From Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah to every king of Israel, whoever walked, whoever rode a donkey, who was ever celebrated with palm branches in the roads, cloaks on the donkey. On the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem, it was a pageantry filled with expectation. They had every expectation that every prophecy that had ever been promised about the Messiah, a new king, was about to come true. But like I said, plans don't always come with, come, turn out the way we expected. Sarah thought she was going to have a child, and she had to wait a very long time. And even on this day of Palm Sunday, all their expectations still did not match up. Because did you notice how Mark ended this section on Palm Sunday? Jesus does make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and then it says... Jesus entered Jerusalem, went to the temple courts, he looked around at everything, and since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Where was the prophetic promise that there was going to be victory? Where was the prophetic promise that there was going to be a king who rode in and restored everything to the people? That Jerusalem would become the greatest city on earth, the temple and all its riches of Solomon would be back in its place. They've just built up this whole pageantry of walking into the city streets of Jerusalem, and then Jesus goes, it's late. Let's go get some sleep. Our expectations are not always how the plan works out. Probably the biggest mistake that comes with that kind of expectation isn't that the promises aren't true, but we interpret them wrong. Think of it this way. The kingdom of God is somewhere in the future. It's not in the past. So when the Israelite people heard all those promises of God, of the coming Messiah, they expected restoration. 
They expected a glorious vision of their own ancient history to be restored. Israel in all its splendor, the greatest nation on earth once again. They kept thinking that the promises were what they already experienced and didn't see the victory and the promise that would come in the future, things, how we would be transformed, how things would change. We do that too. We might have amazing, glorious moments in our lives, and we may look back at them and say, this is the way I want it to stay, the way I want it to be forever. And when that changes, naturally it makes us grieve, makes us mourn. There are beautiful, wonderful moments in life that we want to be true forever. But if we keep focusing on the past, we miss the present and we miss the future. You know, in the ancient world, part of what was different about Israelite faith, that part that said there is one God, believe in one God, was also the idea that that one God had taken the endless circle of, the, of nature and turned it into this linear pattern. In ancient religions, it was very common because they observed their natural world. They would see fall, winter, spring, summer, and then repeat and repeat and repeat. And in that, they thought that was the nature of the universe. One season after another. They could find their consistency and their faith in knowing that that seasonal thing would just go around and around and around. And their gods were part of the endless cycle. And then the God of ancient Israel showed up and said, I break the circle. There's a beginning and there's an end. It started off beautifully in the Garden of Eden. And you may, all the way through history, want to go back to Eden, but I promise you there's even something better. We don't just return to Eden. We enter the kingdom of God. We don't just restore our glorious history. We look to God, to the glorious future. If we just keep going in the circle of looking back at our own histories and wanting the histories and the circles to continue on, then nothing ever had a purpose. Adam and Eve, leaving the Garden of Eden, had no purpose. But the God of ancient Israel said, even in that, the breaking of that covenant with them, has a future direction. There is a better day, a day of victory. And it's not in the temple, it's not in the same Jerusalem, it's not in what King Solomon or King David had. Glorious moments, but they are only a foretaste of the future. It is not an accident that the way Jesus tells the story is that when he goes to Jerusalem that night, he leaves again. And on the next day, he goes back into the city, but on the way, he encounters a fig tree. A fig tree that is withered and dying. He curses it. And then we get the story of him going into the temple, cleansing the temple, running out those who are making a mockery of God. And then he comes back to the fig tree, and sure enough, it is dead. I love that story, that combination that happens right there. Because what Jesus is saying is, that fig tree is like the temple. Once it was glorious, it shined with gold, it was the very seat of where God came and was with the people, but it no longer bears fruit. And so the temple leaves, the temple leaves with me. 
We're not going back. We're going forward. The glorious history was only a taste of what now I will create in the kingdom of God. The victory isn't in going backwards. It's in going forwards. So the big question for us on Palm Sunday and in this season of unmistakable change, here's the big question. Are you prepared to call out Hosanna to Jesus to be the Messiah, not just of your past, but of your future? To not just want a restoration of what we had two months ago, but a future that will forever look more like the kingdom of God. It is scary, and honestly, the grief is immense in this moment as we watch one thing change, one after another after another, and that's normal. But the grief has to give way to a vision of a future that is better than the one we've had. As it says in the scriptures, and here's a promise from God to us, I am the Lord. There is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you haven't always acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place where it's setting, people will know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light, and I create the darkness. I bring prosperity, and I create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. God is not just the God of those moments that make sense to us, God is also the moments like Passover and plagues and when everything we love is disrupted. But it never comes about the promise that the glorious future is better than the glorious past. The days are ahead and the days are actually already here when grief is very real. We've already lost friends who have passed either from other illnesses in this time, which impacts the way that we are going to be able to celebrate their life, or the people that we've already known who have been lost to the virus. But, as we deal with that grief, remember this. Grief is like that rain that God promises, right? The heavens above rain down my righteousness. So picture a drop of rain on the sea. For those of us who are the closest to the person who passes away, it's that drop, and you feel that huge impact. And then for the rest of us around it, around them, we watch as the ripples come out and affect us as well. Not as strongly, but they do affect us. We will experience the rain in these days. But two things. What is that promise from God, rain down with my righteousness? It's in God's hand. And also, from what we know from nature, we may watch that impact in our lives right now, and we may watch the, the, the flow come out from that impact and think that slowly the energy just goes away 
just dissolves into the sea and none of it means anything. Energy doesn't work like that. Energy is never lost. It just gets transferred into something else. So for all of you, my dear sandcastle makers, remember that about the sand in the jar, about the sandcastles you make. These days may be raining down on us, but the energy it creates, creates waves. Those waves rush into shore. They take away everything that has ever been temporary, but it creates something new in us. The glorious kingdom of God will be better, and everything that happens in this moment will have meaning. That energy that is created right now will become the wave that washes over us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we turn to you at this time of deep concern to bestow your mercy upon all the inhabitants of your vulnerable world, which is now so seriously afflicted. Almighty God, who sustains the living with loving kindness, supports the fallen and heals the sick, Grant consolation to the bereaved families. Send a speedy and complete recovery to all who remain ill. As the prophet Jeremiah promised, for I will restore health to you, and I will heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Bless with strength those who are suffering. Bless with resilience those who are isolated. Bless with hope those who are despondent. Bless with wisdom all those who seek a cure and bless with compassion all those who offer comfort. Bless our leaders. Give them and their advisors knowledge and foresight to act with wisdom and sincerity for the well-being of all whom they serve. Bless the doctors and the nurses, the healthcare professionals, those who remain essential, who tirelessly seek to heal and help those afflicted, while in so doing put themselves at risk. Open our hearts in prayer and our hands in generosity so that the distances are bridged through compassion and kindness, almighty God of healing and hope. At this time of heightened global awareness of our mutual independence, enable all of humankind to appreciate the strength that comes from being united in your spirit of steadfast love. As we look to the future, may you endow all people with the capacity to build and sustain societies of unity, tolerance, harmony, and peace. O Lord, our rock and salvation, let us speedily from despair to hope, from fear to trust, from dread to dying, back to the celebration of life. We ask for all this in the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him, perhaps reach for him and find him.
though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen, and go in peace.